0: You know, there's a fine balance between, you know, making good money and having the opportunity to learn because, you know, you can be earning a lot of money, you know, having sales and things like that. But if you if your knowledge is just capped then um, you're not really growing as a person, you might be stuck with the same you know, routine skills, which might not be applied in other areas be in an environment where you can actually learn but also at the same time you can also earn a bit of money in and you know those skills later on will be valuable companies or different people that hire you or yourself might see as valuable and that's where you can kind of
1: reap those benefits later on you're listening to ecomonics a debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age this is joseph I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. As I say numerous times in our program, as I continue to learn about the industry, it opens up new avenues of study. My guest today, Jeffrey Ho, wanted to bring one such revelation to the table about what to do if slash when the time comes to make a change. Whether that's heading into e-commerce, a common theme on the show, or heading out of it into another area, which, as our guest puts it, has less to do with success and more to do with the pursuit of growth. Jeffrey Ho, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? Well, how are you doing tonight? How are you feeling?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, Thanks for having me, uh, Joseph. Uh, It's been a while since I've actually done something like a podcast before, but uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to uh, provide value, I guess. Yeah, excellent. How, How long has it been? It's been about a year or so since I did the podcast and since about 10 months now, since I did a YouTube video. So it really has been almost a year or so
1: well, well you're hoping uh one thing we can do today is to start to get the uh, the fire burning again get the gear spinning yeah, so uh, l- let's have let's have let's have some fun and uh, get some inspiration going yeah, sounds good sounds perfect opening question uh, across you know I actually see i the question is always like who you are what you do but i i i I've been like struggling with this for a while because like well I'd say the person's name like right away so if he was like oh yeah okay, I guess I'll repeat it for the everybody who forgot my name between that point and there's anyway so uh jeffrey ho uh, let us know what you're up to and what you do these days
0: so as everyone noticed i i used to run a youtube channel uh, i made about 80 videos now but since then it's been about 10 months uh, i've been busy with other, you know sort of aspirations in life um, i've been doing my working on my master's i'm doing a master's of business business administration now as well as that just working now at an agency actually um, that's specializing in commerce and digital, um, kind of solutions. We want to talk, kind of talk about that later on, you know, how about how, you know, e-commerce can really open new opportunities and new worlds to like, you know, uh, different career opportunities if it's not, you know, the right fit for you, you know, entrepreneurship. But, um, yeah, I've been just focusing a lot on, you know, just, um, this career aspect as well as my master's. But, um, I'm hoping to really get back into, you know, the world of e-commerce when I have time and, you know, because it's something I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, that's briefly all I've been up to in the past, I guess, half a year to one year.
1: And it's a fascinating subject, um, which uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into because a lot of the people that I talk to, they're usually well uh, enmeshed in e-commerce, like in, in the moment that I talk to them. They're in the midst of their career. Uh, they've made some of their first strides and they're figuring out uh, where they want to branch out and what they want to do. And so one thing that I often... Uh, get to talk about is where are they gonna go because there's some people they just stay drop shippers for 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 good but uh it seems to be the the rarity it people will uh, start their own agencies or they'll become primarily the content creators and, and I guess what happened to you is so you 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 shifted gears uh, back into what I would say is a more structured or a systemic um uh, work system where work structure where like you're now you're, you're working with an agency, so uh, there's hours. So like, um, so my first question to you is, by the way, this would be a good time too, by the way. So in the midst of this question, you can tell us your story of like how you got into e-commerce because I think that that's an important pillar to uh, answer this question is. So you're going from structure to the freedom of e-commerce, which is a more uh, loose, more like up to you. And then you go back into structure. So what was the motivation to go from, uh, to go into e-commerce and then the motivation to step away from it?
0: E-commerce just kind of just started um, out as just like a, it wasn't really a topic of interest at first. I kind of just was browsing through um, social media and actually saw an article from Maruro. Um I think I also mentioned that in um, one of the podcasts uh, from Morbolo or the in interview. Um, yeah, basically I was just browsing through social media, saw an article. Decided to read up on dropshipping and that's how I found dropshipping and decided to kind of pursue it because, you know, it seemed kind of interesting and really intriguing that you didn't really have to um, have any inventory to uh, run the business. So that's where I got started. And um, I was back then I was working at like um, a corporate job. I was working in banking and um, it wasn't something that was really, I guess, the top of my mind for e-commerce. I just wanted to try it um, and see where it went. You know, uh, I did it up my spare time and um, it was a cool, cool venture to go into. But yeah, after like about a year or so, um, I've been working on e-commerce. I kind of wanted to go back to something uh, more routine because I figured that um, dropshipping itself is not a bad business model to start off, but um, it really limits you in terms of your ability to learn more skills. There's a lot of skills to be learned in dropshipping, but there comes a point where you really have to venture out to learn more. About e commerce as a whole, because um, if you work, um, I guess, with yourself full time um, as an e commerce owner or dropshipping uh, brand owner, um, you really can't expose yourself to, you know, a lot of big systems and, uh, a, you know, more, I guess, more established people or um, kind of resources. So that's kind of where I decide to kind of want to go back to, you know, bigger agencies to kind of expose myself to uh, more projects um, related to e-commerce and, you know, kind of the overall um, big picture of it as opposed to really just um, stick to dropshipping and stick to uh, very similar, um, you know, kind of ad strategies and things like that. So obviously this is just a personal preference, but um, it's just what I've been kind of wanting to do and kind of what I, um, I guess, want to know more about. Um, I guess that was why I kind of stopped dropshipping, but not really, kind of let go of e-commerce as a whole. Um, so yeah, that was, I guess, basically the story um, behind this.
1: Yeah, and and uh, I, I appreciate characterizing it as, uh, as your opinion. And I feel it's important on this show that whenever we get to hear a, I say, I say conflicting because I can't think of a better word for it, but you know, a contrasting, there it is, a contrasting um, uh, opinion on it. We, I want to run towards it because I want to make sure that our audience, um, if they're thinking of that, on their own, it's better to hear somebody talk about it anyways. So if I could take a a second to, I think I understand what the, uh, what the mindset is, but I'm not the one with the psychology uh, degree. So, you know, you can, you you can, you can tell me how close or how far off I am. But what I think happened is in E in in running, say an e-commerce or a brand store, it is very freeing and the store can scale and do quite well, but I can see there being limitations in the brand's ability to penetrate a more mainstream market uh, or a more mainstream industry. It, it's, I think it's difficult for brands in the e-commerce space to reach the level of, say, reverence or uh, appreciation that, say, like, I don't know, Coca-Cola has or, or Trident Gum has. And by doing that, it limits people from being able to understand what it takes to be a uh, a a mainstream, or be a popularizer, be a, a home. When something is so popular that it's inside the home, uh, man, I completely blanking on it. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Anyways, when something is so popular that everybody understands it, right? Yeah, as you've seen, anybody pull it off, it you've, you've seems possible. What would you say in your experience has been the closest? I say, like an e, com- someone in the e-commerce industry. Has, re- has penetrated them more of that mainstream appeal?
0: I think there are a couple of e-commerce brands that have done quite well. Um, and they all started off with dropshipping. But um, I think the amount of people who kind of broke out of dropshipping and actually scaled, um, not just in terms of revenue figures, but in terms of, uh, I guess, brand reputation and brand equity, um, there isn't really all that many, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, because it really isn't that easy to compete with people who are, like you said, already established with brands like Coca Cola, you know, in food and beverage. Or like if you're doing a retail, something like Nike or like um, Adidas and things like that. So um very, very few. But um what you know, the first thing that comes to my mind though, like a brand that comes to my mind that does it really well and they're still like doing really well is uh Gymshark. I'm not sure if you have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They I have actually, as a matter of fact, yeah. Yeah. They actually started off with dropshipping um, from I, what I can uh, recall and from my knowledge and actually branched out to, um, you know, being an actual e-commerce brand and endorsing a lot of athletes. But um, the possibility of um, actually becoming the next Gymshark is almost negligible because people be- usually lack the resources to do so and they're competing with a lot of bigger brands and they lack the, you know, I guess brand positioning, um, you know, But um, that's not to say it's not possible, but it's definitely going to be harder nowadays. Yeah, that's what that's why I think, I guess, in terms of this topic.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I remember now the word I was looking for was household name. That was it for something household to become name. a household name. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and and and, and and Jim Shark, yeah, Jim Shark definitely reached that point. It's kind of ironic because now when I hear Jim Shark, I don't think of it as an e-commerce brand. I just think of it as a brand. Yeah. and so in a way, there is in the in, in in the way that there is a stigma attached to dropshipping, there can be a stigma attached to uh, an e-commerce brand. And 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 some of the issue is uh, foundational. Um. Because as dropshippers, we don't get to develop the product ourselves. Well, some people can. Um, I I spoke to someone not too long ago who developed a product from scratch, and now it's in Walmart. So that that is another struggle too: is not having access to all of the foundations, not building something completely from scratch. Um, so yeah, so th- th- there's definitely a lot, a lot of struggles there. So we're gonna get into the 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 big enchilada, which I promised myself I wouldn't say that, but oh well, I tried. Which was you know, the, the psychology of like a skill transference, and I'll tell you my own story as well. But before we do that, I do want to hear a little bit more about your degree in psychology. Sure. Sure. Okay. And part of it is like, oh, so you get your degree in psychology with a a minors in, uh, in e-commerce business. uh, And then you end up as a banking job. I am, I'm interested to know exactly how it was. It just like you worked as a teller, you just like entry level and then they liked you and they, and they promoted you.
0: Yeah. So, For the banking job, um, it was a frontline role. I think it was just an entry-level role. I worked there for about a year or two. So it was mostly a, um, you know, a front-facing, client-facing role. Yeah, at the same time, I was also working on e-commerce. For university, I was taking psychology, as you mentioned, but I was minoring in commerce. Um, I wasn't really, like, studying e-commerce in particular, but... Oh, yeah, my apologies. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. Just, like, business in general, I guess, and... um, yeah, I just thought it was a cool opportunity to, you know, tap into something that's pretty, uh I guess, trending at that time, you know, e-commerce and dropshipping. And I guess, yeah, that's how I got into it.
1: Yeah, and, and with the psychology degree, the thing that I was uh, thinking about when I was getting set up to do this conversation is that I think people are drawn to degrees that reflect some of you know who they are and how they understand it. So rather than just try to build a skill set from scratch based off nothing, it's something within you. It's maybe like an analytical brain that you've had all, all along. And so the idea of uh, pursuing that in school is a way to take a lot of your organic skills and being able to craft them and be able to apply a more analytical approach to it so what drove you to getting the uh, psychology degree and and follow-up how has it changed like the way you interact with people like do you get to like do like a sherlock holmes thing where you're like you're doing calculations and as you're talking to other people's and kind of like understanding them
0: uh, a lot of people tend to have like this misconception where if you study psychology you 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 seem to have this special skill to read people's minds, but you know that usually isn't the case. But um, you, you know, yeah, when you when you study psychology, I was you, so sure. Of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 all want to have that skill, you know. Obviously, you know, to read people's minds that'd be pretty cool. But um, yeah, I guess when you do when you study psychology, you really understand. You you study basically the concepts of um, you know, human behavior, and we use those kind of theories and concepts to predict know, um, different types of behaviors, t- uh, different types of, you know, um, I guess, interactions, social interactions. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like a prediction. You um, Can't really say for sure because there's a lot of other factors, external factors that you can't really um, dismiss in, in the real world. So um, I guess uh, in terms of knowledge, you kind of gain that kind of insight as a psychology major, but you can't really say that that behavior exactly um, is, is caused by this specific, you know, um, thing or, like, event or something like that. So, yeah, I guess that's where psychology comes
1: into play. And and have you uh, uh, ha- have you used it as a way to understand yourself on a, on a deeper level? Was there anything that, like, it clicked when you were given some more analytical tools to even, like, notice what your own behavior was?
0: Um, uh, psychology, to be honest, it would be, um, it's more... Not really, because in the world of e-commerce, I think a lot of the behavior is you're able to track it digitally um through data analytics, right? It's not so mm-hmm. much about social interactions, but rather the different kind of behaviors that you see on your website that your users are um you know showing or displaying. And for example, you know, you have different, you know, types of KPI that shows like, you know, um, you know, different bounce rate or like a click-through rate, things like that, that really isn't explained through. Um, human psychology, but rather just, um, you know, their, their, their behavior that's online. So obviously, you know, psychology can help in, um, you know, I guess how they interact in person, but maybe not so much when they're browsing something to buy that I think their analytics is something that's more useful and more important. And, um, you know, that's, I guess that's why a lot of people nowadays, they are, they need people who are, um very i guess uh, proficient in data analytics and they understand how to use it and all that
1: yeah i i, I understand that uh completely it it takes a certain mind to uh see the uh, the behaviors of, of so many people i mean the more the more metrics you see the more people are involved in each individual you know they get up they eat breakfast i assume they they have their own their own wants and needs and so to 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 even to handle all of that is uh, is certainly a unique and appreciated skill set. So the main topic that we wanted to, to do today, uh, and by the way, I'm, I appreciate that it was what you you suggested that we talk about. So it, it doesn't mean a lot when somebody um, knows like what they want to bring to the table. So I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, it's 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 the concept of transferable skills, and you'll notice some of what we've um, talked about so far. It you'll you'll see how it'll come into play as we as we talk about this. So can I get you to uh, set this up for us? The uh, the concept of the transferable skills and what's the important What's the starting point for our audience to understand what we're going to do here?
0: Yeah, so transferable skills. um, What we mentioned prior to the interview was um, the kind of skills that you can take away from um, venturing into e-commerce. You know, things like you know, uh, understanding data analytics. um, You know, knowing how to write good copy. um, You know, making cool creatives that tracks the audience. uh, Making a very beautiful landing page. You know, things like that. These are transferable skills um after you've been to inside e-commerce and dropshipping. Um, the other side to it is skills that you can you've acquired that you can bring inside uh as you venture inside in co- into e-commerce. So um as you mentioned before, you know, a lot of people have different backgrounds. I know you're from a performing um you know kind of that background. Um you know there are these different types of skills that you can you you kind of garner um before e-commerce and if you're looking to kind of transfer into e-commerce you can take those um into uh you know kind of into consideration and make it an advantage for you so uh, i guess for example is like uh the most obvious example is if you're someone who's into information technology or someone who's into you know um something more quantitative you really have an edge in terms of um getting going into e-commerce because you're looking to data every day you're trying to understand what those mean um, you're trying to understand the implications of it and when you can do with that data. And I think for those people who are, who have an IT background, they're more kind of data driven and they're more, um, I guess objective when it comes to decision making. And, you know, it's either, uh, you know, black or white. And so if you have these skills um, before entering to e-commerce, you really have an edge over other people because you know what to look for and you know how to um, take those kind of data into advantage and obviously the same goes for you know other type of um, careers or like other types of skill sets as well such as communication you know if you have customer service skills you're you can be really good at you know customer inquiries um answering different questions um actually making really relevant and very accurate uh faqs in your in your um, business page you know things like that so when I when I really refer when I say transferable skills, I really mean what kind of skill sets can you bring to the table that will give you uh, a competitive edge when you start your e-commerce business? That's really what I mean.
1: And so this reminds me of a, a discussion that I was um, having in college. So just so the audience knows this, that I took a uh, I took a performance program, and and I, and I get actually kind of uh, anxious to to say what it was because it changes people's perception of me, but the program was, uh, based on comedy. So there were classes on how to write sketches, um, production, uh, history of comedy There's some other co- courses too, that we had to take as electives, like English, for instance. Uh, and, and naturally a lot of the people in the program were, uh, shit disturbers. And so the elect- for the electives, not very many professors were willing to, to, to teach the, the students. Cause a lot of them didn't make very good students. And the concern was as follows, is the more concentrated in the industry that we get, the harder it is to excel because you have a lot of competition. There's a lot of people who were vying for the good stage time and, you know, even some of the most talented performers who can do excellent on stage, they just couldn't get anywhere. And they, and they can be added for, for years. And so a lot of them would, they would want to move to the States where there's, maybe there's more opportunity, but even then it's hyper competitive. And what he said was, so when you're in, in this bubble, it's great for developing your skills, but the problem is there's a lot of other competition there. So the further you get outside of the bubble your skills actually heighten in their importance because it's relative. In context, imagine going to a small town where nobody even does like an open mic night and hosting the show there. Suddenly, everything that the person learns would be a lot more important because there's no one else around to do anything. Uh, The downside, of course, is that uh, it might give a person an inflated sense of their own skill set where like a bunch of people will worship them as a god, but then they go to town where there's actually a more cultured understanding of the craft and then they Person actually finds out that they're mediocre at best, and that's one of the things that I think is going on here. That when people can develop skills in a hyper concentrated environment, they can actually step out into an area that's far more appreciative or has much greater use of those needs. So when I stepped into into e commerce, coming from a performance background, you don't get as many performers as you do people who, you know, know how to read data sheets and and understand the marketing. So in that sense, I feel that. The job that I'm able to do here is uh, largely based off the a skill set that is more in demand here than it would be in other places. Yeah, I
0: kind of agree. Um, yeah, once I guess once nobody has that skill that you have, you tend to be more valuable as a. I guess when you're looking for a job, or like when you're actually trying to pitch to someone, or you know for your own good, you tend to have this kind of competitive edge, right? You like suddenly you're, you're like this odd one out, like in a good way, and you you bring a lot more the table than everyone else so it's definitely a good thing to have i think
1: yeah and so the other thing that we wanted to talk about too um th- that's important to this is for the audience let's say that they uh they find that e-commerce isn't really working for them so there's a few things to unfold here and one of them is going to be you know what skills what skills would we say are the m- most beneficial long-term so that even if they do exit e-commerce what they learned within this environment can be useful to them in has the best chance of being useful to them outside of that
0: i think when it comes to you running your own e-commerce business there's a lot of kind of valuable skills that you can take away from it um i think i just mentioned a couple before um, one of which includes you know copywriting things like that you know you really know how to communicate to your audience um you know and driving them to kind of uh um, perform a particular action. So in terms of e-commerce, you can write copy that sells to people. So if you have a product to sell, you can write in a way that will drive them to make a purchase. Writing things that sell is is a very valuable skill nowadays, and a lot of companies also want this. So um, that's another skill you can kind of bring to the table in the corporate world if you know, entrepreneurship is not for you. Second one is, I guess, data analytics. We, we mentioned before um having the ability to actually read into uh, what customers are doing on your website. So uh how, how how much time are they spending on the website? Now you know. Uh, what can you do? What does that mean? I guess what's the click through rate for your ads? Now you know, you know, the higher the click through rate, um, the more um attractive your ad is or the lower. Now you know how and what you can work on. You know, things like these data analytics it helps you understand um also really useful in corporate, you know, because uh, everyone nowadays they're they they're shifting to digital they're shifting to online uh, a lot of people need to read into data to improve to um, to change you know understanding what the the bottleneck is in your business you know all of them revolves around interpreting data so that's very useful I guess another one is um, you know customer service like I mentioned before being able to um, satisfy your customers um, knowing uh how to communicate with them how to um as you know I guess not escalate but like make things better if there is if, if you know if there are issues there are angry customers you know how to communicate with them having that tolerance and patience to do so you know these soft skills I guess video editing that's also really useful you know learning photoshop um learning how to edit the videos you know your ads uh, all these skills they're really useful and you might actually use them in the future and all of them but at least you know a thing or two about it, and you know if that particular uh, role or whatever um, requires you to develop further. At least you have that foundation. You know you can work on it further, and uh, you can be ahead of a lot of people. You know just by having this exposure to e-commerce. So I think it's not a, a terrible idea. You know even um, even if it doesn't work out at the end, you can still learn a few skills uh, along the way.
1: Yeah, and, and what I, what I think is uh, compelling too about your your position is that you you did succeed. You know, it, it went it went pretty well. You know, yeah, uh, Overload Ober- okay. doesn't just pull random people off the street to, yeah. uh, to 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 ask for advice. They ask people who are who are doing well in the space. So, yeah, I, I hear you being modest. So yeah, it was okay. You know, I made it I made a, made a couple of figures here. So, uh, you know, I, I I respect that. So, I guess th- that's another one of the things that um, was demystifying, even just like getting set up to to talk to you, is that transitioning out of it doesn't have to be a failure thing. Sometimes it's just like, you know, it's, this is actually going pretty well, but I'm not, I'm uh, like you're saying, I'm not, I'm not learning uh, uh, the skills I want to continue. So was that also part of the motivation to go from uh, your, your banking uh, job into e-commerce? Was it also part of the learning process where you felt like you weren't really like developing your skills in that front-facing position?
0: Right, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why you could say. It was also because like, you know, obviously... There's also a lot of things to learn in banking. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, talk down on them. Obviously, banking is a very, um, I guess, is a very respected respected role. Um, but, you know, the, the kind of skills you learn is a bit different from e-commerce. When you're starting off as like a pretty entry-level role, you don't really learn that much. You're trying to, I guess, understand the foundation first. And then um, as you go, you know, deeper down into, you know, your career, um, that's where you learn the kind of more, I guess, advanced or like more uh, in-depth knowledge of surrounding banking. But yeah, back then I felt that I, I learned already what there is to be learned in the front-facing role. And um, even like on top of that, like I wasn't really passionate about banking. I think that was one of the more important factors and more important reasons why uh, I didn't really want to pursue it. So um, I guess it's a combination to answer your question between Uh, not having that passion and at the same time learning already what there is needed to be learned um, that kind of, I guess, prevented me or, maybe not want to pursue this further. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, and I think, you know, in, in the position that I have right now, there is a great deal of learning. A lot of it has to do with just, you know, th- the questions that I ask guests, right? Um, uh, l- learning, our, our, you know, our company is rap- rapidly evolving and expanding. And so there is a lot of new that comes in. And so what I think happens here is, I think each person has to find a position that is a healthy balance between the learning and the labor. If something is like almost like 100% labor, like a burger flipping job, and there's not a lot of learning involved, then it, somebody comes stagnant, and stagnation is actually just decay. If you consider how everything else continues to advance, and even currency inflates, so stagnation can actually end up putting a person behind and not hold the position. So what I what I think is uh, what was happening with you as well is like you you wanted you 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 want to learn, and obviously uh, labor is always going to be involved, but. Uh, I I think you, you leaned heavily into wanting to continue to learn so that you can continue to develop your ability to provide labor. At some point we all have to work, right? We all have to like, you know, get our, get our hands busy in one way or another.
0: Yeah. I I kind of understand that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it it depends on your priorities as well. Like if you want money, sure. You can, you can. Um, dropshipping is a really good it's a very lucrative business still and still is. Might be harder, but it still is. But if you're looking to, I guess, further your knowledge and you want to learn more, it might be worth exploring other opportunities because if there comes a time where um you know everything you've learned in dropshipping might not be you can't really learn more in terms of the the realm of dropshipping. Um so you know, it depends on your priorities, um whether you want to be earning money or you went to you really want to um I guess develop further. And, you know, kind of expand your knowledge in, you know, e-commerce in general. So it really depends on the person.
1: Yeah. And and I also think it it depends on the person in how much of their their workload they want to be systemic employment versus how much of it they want it to be entrepreneurship. Um, I hear multiple stories. You know, I hear people that they have, they're still working full time, but they also have their e-commerce business. People who quit focus entirely on e-commerce, even if it's just a prediction, but can you get a, a sense of... How, what would be a, a happy balance for you? Like how much of your work week would be systemic versus how much of it would be, um, uh, entrepreneurship? Um, do you
0: mean back then when I was working on my full-time job and I was working e-commerce on the side?
1: You know, if it helps answer the question, but I was thinking more along the lines of like where we're going now for you. Oh, okay.
0: Um, nowadays I can't really devote too much time on e-commerce because when I come back from, from my uh, career, my, my job, um, I still have to work on my master's. So, um. I don't really have much time to kind of work on my e-commerce business as much as I want to. So, but that's just, you know, kind of a, kind of a personal thing and kind of a, um, kind of a restraint on my my end, but that's not to say it's not possible. It just might be a bit more tough for someone like me or someone else with like a very intense schedule like that. But, um, I guess in terms of uh, maybe just a person uh, who has a nine to five job or like a regular job who isn't really, um, whose job isn't really labor intensive, I think it's still possible to um, pull off having an e-commerce business on the side and actually working on it at night times. Especially since if you work off, if you um, kind of get off at around five or six, you still have about a two to three hour period at least per night to work on it. And I think that's ample time to kind of um, get the thing off the ground and you know learn more about e-commerce you know, through YouTube videos or like, actually implementing you know different parts of the business like you know the website or like an email sequence and things like that. so uh, it's definitely not impossible. It's just more about um, time management I think.
1: Yeah and and I think uh, what you're saying about it being labor intensive uh, is a huge factor. If somebody comes home from work and they're completely drained because they were lifting steel girders all day, I don't I don't blame them for not having the energy to Exactly. a, a, lot, yeah. a lot of risk involved yeah. in it. So that that part yeah. makes sense. Not just mentally.
0: No, I mean not just physically but also mentally if you feel mentally drained you don't want to be working.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. The mental equivalent of steel girders. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, I know, I know that's like, yeah. yeah. And, and that actually ties to, I think, I, I think in terms of mental strain. So uh, I think a lot of that ties into how much of the job is learning. And, uh, and a lot of it can just be like, for, uh, for instance, I would say coming from a sales background is that there's a lot of like adaptation in the moment because each individual client, or every time I get a phone call, I have to learn the person, I have to understand their, their, their habits and their patterns and try to figure out what is the best way to, uh, well, you know, uh, close a sale with them. Um, some, some of it is over time, some of it becomes routine. Like I will get asked the same question multiple times. And so over time, it does get easier to, uh, to, uh, to to say those, and then the challenge is like making it sound natural each time. So I, I think what one of the issues too is is it, the more that a job teaches. This is this is my problem. I don't know if this is a general thing, but my problem is that the more I have to learn on the job, the more drained I am mentally. So right, yeah, you know, I it, it, it is important to understand like well, how am, the more a job is teaching, the more I think there's a good incentive to stay there because in long in the long run, the skills that I develop over time will be more beneficial. So. You know, uh, learning is a very, is a, I think the more you learn, the m- it's more of a metric for you're in the right place. And, you know, this is something that is going to contribute to your growth in one way or another. Right. I agree. Yeah. That basically means that but you do uh, gotta make your money too. Yeah, obviously, you know, there's a fine balance between, you know, making good money
0: and, you know, having the capacity or, or, um, having the opportunity to learn because you know, you can be earning a lot of money, you know, having sales and things like that. But if your if your knowledge is just capped then. Um, you're not really growing as a person. and if your knowledge is really capped, then you might be stuck with the same you know routine skills, which might not be applied in other areas. So you know it's always good to be, well, in my opinion is um you know find being in an environment where you can actually learn, but also at the same time, you can also you know earn a bit of money in, you know, even if it means you know, in the beginning you might not learn, you know you might not be earning a lot. um you can still learn uh, a lot of valuable skills which you can later apply and um, and, you know, those skills later on will be valuable people, you know, companies or different people that hire you or yourself might see it as valuable. And that's where you can kind of reap those benefits later on. So it's good to have that balance.
1: Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's important to, because because somebody can be told how to do something and they can memorize how to do it. But the key is to, to understand something on a fundamental level. And the reason why I say that is that learning things on a fundamental level help prevent degradation. If I, if I'm just memorizing something and then I come in the next day and the rules have changed, then I have to re-memorize it and my understanding hasn't uh, have happened at all. So that is another important thing to deal with too, is like, like I was saying earlier, learning, um, uh, especially f- fundamentally keeps you from being behind, where if everybody else continues to to learn and to adapt, and they understand things fundamentally, you know, it, each it, it just goes back to some of the very first conversations that I had, is that each day is an opportunity to layer something new on top of uh, what you learned the last day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does get kind of discouraging sometimes to to think about like how because things are changing so often, something that I've learned like can actually like not exist. It's something I, I had a problem with a lot of games that I would play where like we would a, put a new a new weapon would come out. We learn how to use it, and like a week later, the weapon's gone. Like, well, f- geez, thanks for wasting my time. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, I think there's a a difference between um, you know um, understanding the foundations of something and actually memorizing something. You know, um, you know, because memorizing is I think we've all been through this before. You know, in high school or like uh, primary school, you memorize you know the different um, areas um, in the world. You know, geography when you take geography. You memorize where everything is in the map, you know, that's memorization. But and when it comes to foundation, you know, building the building blocks to something, that involves understanding that thing or concept as well. Not just memorizing for what it is, but what those mean and what what you can do with it later on. So I think building a foundation for something is is definitely more valuable and more important than just memorizing something because that's where you can kind of have something to build on top of. And that's where you can really, um, I guess, learn that skill later on and and, and transfer it later on in other aspects of life.
1: By the way, if you're a current user of Debutify or haven't tried us out yet, Debutify version 3 has been released and now is a good time to upgrade or get started as any. A streamlined user interface along with an ever increasing array of conversion boosting add-ons is waiting for you. So download today for free and start your journey. Who knows, maybe I'll be interviewing you before too long. This is a very specific question. Um, just about like minds, uh, your, your mindset going back into uh, a more structured work environment, how, how was it going back to <laughs> kind of, kind of a silly question, but I, 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 I'm genuinely I genuinely want to know how was it going back to taking orders where somebody would like, you know, tell you, basically tell you what to do and, and when it has to get done versus you giving yourself orders.
0: I mean, obviously, it's not a good feeling, right? But you have to be, you know, you have to be from a position of, um, I guess, how do you say this? Like, You have to be kind of like a sponge because at the end of the day when you're entering the corporate world, you have to understand that, sure, you have a couple of years of experience under the belt, but there's always going to be someone who who has more experience than you. And you have to come from a perspective of, um, you know, being grounded and being very, um, I guess, the opposite of arrogant. Like you have to be an open mind. and Humble yeah humble and willing to willing to learn a lot more, obviously, that's a lot different when it comes to um when running your own business because you're on your own. you don't have to take orders. you feel on top of the world sometimes because when you you, you see success, you you attribute success to your 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 personal achievement and your 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 ability. It's different in the corporate world, but um obviously because people are a lot better than you in terms of the skills, um, their skill sets, their experience, things like that. but you just have to understand that, you know, everyone starts off, um, the same, we're all at the same stage at one point and you're just basically there, um, so that people can teach you the skills that they've acquired before. So yeah, it, it's definitely a shift in mindsets and, um, you just have to kind of adapt and focus on the positives and what you can learn from it rather than, you know, um, just saying like, oh, now I'm, I'm a inferior, you know, you just have to kind of let go of your ego and. Just um, learn and look at it from that perspective. I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it, it it could it could be a tricky uh, transitional process for somebody who like has that. Um, the, like, the more initiative somebody takes, and the more like they're on their own boss to then yeah. uh, move into something else. I think a lot of will depend to on the company structure where if a company tries to elevate each individual and say, you know, we're all partners, okay. You know, some partners are the partners who clean the toilets, but also we're all, you know, we all have to contribute in order for for this company to uh, run effectively. So, uh, so a lot of that will have to do with like finding the right place to work that actually, uh, elevates you and values your, your prior experience, which leads me to another question. This is also like more of a, like a practical one, but when applying for the job, uh, on your, on your resume, uh, in specific, and if this is like moved to, it's a private thing, it's cool. It's whatever, but that's actually like something that people might come, uh, come up with. They got to, uh, put this on their resume. So, uh, how you, you're, you have been at this for a while and you've had your, you know, you've had your, uh, uh, you know, it, as you say, it went okay Um, but how did you actually transfer that onto the resume when, uh, when applying for it, keeping in mind, the reason why I think this is an important question is usually when people are writing the resume, it's, they're going from one systemic business to the next. So there's, there's a through line there. Whereas in your case, it's, it's the entrepreneurship side of it. So how, yeah, just what, um, how did you, uh, yeah, write it on your resume? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a very
0: tricky question. I mean, kind of a tricky process as well, because. It really depends on the company you're applying for. You know some companies like it that you have an entrepreneurial mindset. You have an entrepreneurial um, kind of aspirations as well. Um, some don't. you know they just want you to be a worker. They want you to take orders. So it really depends on the company you're working for. Fortunately, for mine, um, since I work at a digital agency and a lot of those employees now are very entrepreneur driven and they were once entrepreneur themselves. they value entrepreneurship a lot more. And they don't really mind you working on a side business as long as you deliver results. I think it really depends on the corporate culture of the company and what they value, and um, uh, whether or not they kind of allow colleagues or employees to work on their own thing, you know, outside of work. For me, it's been a tough kind of kind of a tough journey in the beginning because I would say I was an entrepreneur before. I ran my own business, you know, as an e-commerce um, owner, co- co-founder, whatever you want to call it. But um, some companies I don't hear back because, you know, they might be, they might be a bit, um, I guess, friend in 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 some ways because you might be a direct competitor to them. But um, um, some others they're okay, as I mentioned. But uh, it's really about kind of finding ways to make it seem like you won't be um, a threat to them and. Uh, instead focusing on how you can provide value for them. Um, I think that's most important. Um, in addition to the corporate culture, of course, you have to take that into consideration. But um yeah, I guess later on, um I just decided to kind of change it more and, and position it as me um, being more of an e-commerce kind of coordinator or like a manager sort of role, as opposed to being a CEO and founder. I think that was when I was more, I kind of more, uh, I had more success with, you know, finding interviews and actually going through uh, the different rounds, uh, with the managers. Um, so yeah, it could be really tricky, uh, in the first couple of months when you make this transition, but it's all, it's really all about, um, finding the right points and being strategic about, um, and, you know, using your words and how, how, uh, how you want to present this experience to your, your future employer or like, the people you work with,
1: right? And and I suppose too, it also has a great deal to do with the industry at large. Like yeah, because you true. said that you know you're working for a digital agency. Uh, the connective tissue between those two points is easier to grasp rather than I don't know, just pulling out the top of my head. I would say I'm, just trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like a good example. I guess I would say I going back into or not that you were in IT, but like if somebody were switching into IT, IT is a highly laborious position, and it's a lot of like servicing people internally so it's a lot of just taking uh the uh, the tasks as they come in and doing them so there 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 can be room for I, i have some friends in it so i i can speak a little bit to this but like there is room for taking initiative but you know companies depending on how in touch the say like the ceo or the boards are um with the needs of the people they can be protective of their legacy software and they never want to have it uh, switched and so the it people just kind of like have to live with that even they know better and they know that this this can be improved they just kind of have to like you know uh live with it
0: i think most important is the competitive aspect of it like whether you're going to be there um as a as an employee or like as a as someone who adds value to company versus someone who's there to steal your information steal your clients and your business. So I think that's a yeah. big factor when it comes to, oh, should I hire this guy or not? You know, is this guy actually going to be a valuable asset to the company? Or is he just there to steal all the information for our company and leave? You know, that's, I guess, something that's running in, in, inside your mind as well.
1: We, 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 need, we need to uh, <laughs> deal with that. That's for sure. Although, yeah, I wouldn't, I I, I guess I, I'm just trying to imagine like if somebody goes into the industry for the first Anyways, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get into like what are the warning signs of the red flags of like. Yeah, that, that'll be that's topic. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But I, I guess I'll, one thing I'll, one point I'll make to that is that you never know. Like some people, they go in with good intentions and they get burned, and they want to get revenge. And so, yeah, anyways, one of the things that uh, we I didn't um, mention to you before we record before we recorded is just like your 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 status with your your YouTube because I know you've wanted to make content and you went so far as to say that you will, but I think what happened is that like. I think your last video, as you're willing to get back into it, it was before COVID hit, and COVID just kind of like changes everything, right? So, uh, what I was wondering is, you know, what's going through your mind these days with your YouTube content? Are you still planning on making videos? And remembering thinking what we said before about, say, like degradation and adaptation, a lot is a lot is changing in e-commerce. So, if you wanted to get back into making videos now, how do you feel you can best provide uh, value to? To people
0: yeah like you said uh it's been a while since i actually gone you know since the last time i actually made a video um that's at the, at the same time that also means that you know i might not be as updated as i was before in regards to the trends of e-commerce so what's happening now what's working best so i think in order to provide actual value and informative content to you know the people who follow me it might it might be um important for me you know also be a responsibility for me to do some research Prior to making a video and understanding, you know what's going on in the industry and what's trending right now and what's what you should avoid right now before really making the video. I think that part of you know having that due diligence is 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 kind of responsibility for for a uh, a YouTuber and um, something that you really have to keep in mind before you know spreading false information. So um, so yeah, I, I guess if I were to make a video, which I hope to. Um, in the next, I guess, month or so, hopefully, um, I, I can do that and, um, you know, read more about what's going on now, what the best strategies are, and then make it from there. So, um, yeah, I'm really hoping to get back into it sometime because, uh, you know, it's a pretty fun experience.
1: Yeah. Have you thought about making content um, based somewhat off what we've even talked about today? Um, Just uh, give more insights into your your journey, uh, switching into the digital agency and working on your master's degree?
0: Yeah, I think um, at some point, I think I might consider doing that. But um, at the end of the day, I think when I make content for YouTube, I I make it based around what people want to see. Um, Not saying that I don't focus on content that I want to make in terms of the YouTube algorithm. It just, it won't fare well for me in terms of the YouTube growth. So um, I think I would have like a healthy balance between, um, you know, making that those type of videos and also providing a um, more practical knowledge and strategies that, you know, people are kind of used to seeing or what they want to see. Um, but it's definitely not a bad idea to, to um, you know, include that in my content. I think it would be, uh, you know, I guess a bit important.
1: Yeah. And, and, that, and that's a good point too about, It's a good point too about the algorithm because it it does depend on what returns or what uh, uh, takeaway or what growth that somebody needs their, the energy they expend to, uh, to yield. So what I mean by that is if, if I think what you're saying is like, if I'm going to put, I have a lot to do, right? You have a lot to do. So if you're going to make the YouTube content, it has to have some element of, uh, of returns just so that way you don't, uh, end up expending the energy needlessly uh and, and, and it also speaks to i think the the importance of like i mean for me for instance i i was just just yesterday i was um fiddling with uh with dlive because i wanted to set up my own my own game stream but do i have any like i have no intention whatsoever of like you know figuring out what the algorithm wants from me uh same with my own personal youtube channel again i don't i i don't think about that i just make whatever i want to make so in in that same way it's important to find that balance between Um, uh, learning and labor, we also can say that it is important to find the balance between like, you know, what is an outlet to just expend my energy freely just to, you know, for my own self-satisfaction versus what's an outlet where if I'm going to expend the energy, I do need to see something tangible in return.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that too. But, um, you know, I guess it also depends on, you know, whether, you know, I guess what stage you're at in your YouTube journey. Like if you're starting off, um, you can have fun with your YouTube content. That doesn't really matter too much. But um, once you reach a certain level in your YouTube career or YouTube journey, like for example, if you have like 50,000 subscribers, you will tend to have more of a responsibility and more of an incentive to want to make content that will further drive growth for your channel because you're already seeing so much momentum. You want to make it better. Right. Whereas if you have like a few hundred subscribers, for example, people tend to be more, um, I guess, they would make content that's more, um, tailored to themselves rather than, um, what people want to see. So, um, it would be usually more based around their interests and what they want to make as opposed to what the algorithm wants them to make, if that makes sense. So. Also depends on, you know, what stage you're at and your priorities at the end of the
1: day. Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody uh, uh, blows up on, on YouTube and so all of a sudden they have like 20,000 fans expecting content. Like, okay. Exactly. Yeah, the, the pressure the is yeah. on a bit. So you you have, have a burden that's now. That's, that's know, a really good point. Yeah, have to follow it. Yeah, you know exactly. Know yeah. It. Great. So um, I've got you for uh, uh, only a little bit while longer. So there is one other question that I really wanted to get your take on, which is, it's just the, the your take on like dropshipping as a label, and I myself, even over the course of this episode, I like we both refer to people as like dropshippers. At least I think you have. I don't know. Pretty sure you did, but I, I can't remember every last thing that was said. Anyways, um, lately I feel like there I, I have an issue with that term, which is that I think it puts too much emphasis on what is essentially the fulfillment method. So in if you have let's just what would be an example of like. I could have thought one in advance and I didn't. So, you know, it uh, sucks to be me. But I, I would like to hear your opinion on like the, just even the the label of being a dropshipper. And because remember one thing that you pointed out earlier is how it is harder now to, to, um, to be in e-commerce and to use the dropshipping fulfillment method. And a lot of that is because like a lot of the, there's a lot of new, we can call them barriers and obstacles, but it's really more of like regulations and just like, you know, less things that people can get away with. so so to speak, as an industry evolves and there's more rules. So in a way, it's it's re-elevated the dropshipping method. Try to get closer to, again, back to what we said earlier, closer to other brands that people recognize. So while e-commerce still has to find a way in there, I would say it's closer, it's easier in that way to have a brand that can have household presence, uh, but it's also harder to actually like, Get your foundations and to actually succeed. So all of that said, that's just kind of the some of the theories that are going through my mind. But like I just want to hear uh, how you feel about dropshipping uh, as a whole these days.
0: Um, yes. So I guess as I mentioned before, you know, dropshipping is kind of getting more difficult. Um, you know, coming into you know twenty twenty one and onwards, I think it's going to be more emphasis on focusing on the, you know building a brand, obviously, and um, focusing on the customer as opposed to making money a lot. You know. In, in, in the first couple of months that you run your business. Um I think the priority and the mindset has shifted, but traditionally what is dropshipping is, you know, it's, it's an easy method um that's you know has a lot of opportunity, a lot of, it's very lucrative, uh very lucrative. It's something that has a really low barrier to entry. You know, anyone can start it. Um but now, you know, over the years since you know since it's gotten more popular since 2016 onwards. Now it's becoming more of a business model that requires, um, not necessarily investment, but more due diligence and more effort around building something that's credible and something that is not just a run of the mill, um, design, uh, kind of website, you know, something that's more professional, something that has a good backend system, something that has good branding elements. You know, I think these are, um, you know, something to really focus on now, coming into 2021 onwards. And, you know, brands like, you know, Gymshark and Nike and all these, these are household brands that we should now look um, more into um, and to see kind of what they do, what they're doing right and why people are trusting that brand and, um, you know, what, what they're providing in terms of value uh, in addition to the products. So I think these are the type of elements that, you know, people should really focus on getting into e-commerce now, uh, dropshipping 2021, which is not something that people really focus on a few years back. You know, they, it was relatively easy back then. You throw up a product that's in demand. You throw a couple of ads on Facebook, you get sales and you fulfill the method and like you have four weeks shipping time. But now it's more like, you know, you want customer service, you want shipping times to be reduced. You want a good brand. You want a good designed, well-designed website. You know, these are the sort of things that. You know, people should focus on now. Um, and yeah, I guess on top of that, I just want to talk about you know, drop shipping, the concept of drop shipping, and the stigma attached to it. Uh, I think you mentioned before that you know, when people say um, drop shipping, they they have a lot of negative kind of associations with it. You know, it's either like cheap uh, China, main China, Alibaba, AliExpress. But you know, as you mentioned before, you know dropshipping is merely a fulfillment method and people need to understand that and it's just not something that um people should take advantage of or um should 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 really misunderstand you know this is about this concept it's um it's basically a fulfillment method and it's not something that you can make money a lot of money from real quick and yeah there's just we should really change the the definition of dropshipping i think moving forward by not doing these same mistakes again and making a cheap looking website and um, having like five week shipping times. So, I guess that's my interpretation right now and what I've gathered through these reviews.
1: Yeah, I, I i try my best to like not uh, uh, go on Facebook these days um just because you know, it can get addictive. Next thing I know, I've wasted like 10 minutes, but I was doing a little bit of a scroll and some, and one of my friends he had posted this review of like, this store that was selling these octopuses, where you can turn them inside out and it turns into a different color octopus. It's a little fleshy. I'm sure if I go on to AliExpress, I can find it. And he was a scathing review where you know I contacted customer service. They never responded. They never sent the product. They just took my money. Complete scam. And and I just looked at him like a year ago. I would have thought, boy, that company, man, they you know they 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 started off with such good intentions, but they are just falling apart. But now I'm like, now I understand. It's just a dropshipper. Is somebody is just like, just, just, just like a rip and runner, like I've been there. I know, I know what that feels like. So, so it, 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 the industry, just from my observation, obviously, you know, I'm coming up on my first year, um, in the industry and I'm, and I'm proud to be a part of it in my own small way, but it's, it's, it is harder, but it is good hard because it, going back to what we're saying, it, it compels people within it to, uh, learn real tangible skills that can actually um, uh, leads to running a successful business, not just using the dropshipping fulfillment method, but skills that actually help running business in general.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, when, like, whenever I see like an ad on Facebook that sells a certain product, which I don't now, um, fortunately, because I think I turned off all the, those ads already, but whenever I do see it and I see comments, uh, in that ad saying, oh, my, my product hasn't arrived yet. It's been five weeks or so the, the quality is bad. I just assume it's, you know, a dropshipping brand because usually they don't take care too, they take, they don't take too much care, uh, you know, of their customers and, and the shipping times. So that's just kind of an interesting story and interesting, um, kind of insight. Yeah.
1: Well, my, my, my final say on them is, is if people are going to suck, let them, you know, it gives us, it gives people who do a good job, a chance to, uh, to elevate themselves more and to, and to stand out and be and like, wow, you know, I, I I've, I've bought other things online and, and they, uh, and they said, and they, I thought I was buying a blue dress, but it turns out it was white, and and all this, uh, all that other stuff. So, with that, I know it's late for you, so I, I going to get you on ad ears. Uh, I don't know, like, is your is there, is your bedtime intimate, or do you stay up a little while longer after this?
0: No, no, I stay up pretty late. I stay around, you know, until like two or three. So it's all okay, good. okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. done. Yeah, exactly.
1: I, I, I'm trying to transition more to like a morning person. It is not working. Anyways, so the, so the final question is. Um, if you have any like parting words of wisdom, or last bits of advice, or like an answer to a question, you didn't ask anything along those lines, you want to share with us, you're more than welcome to. And then uh, let the audience know how they can. Okay, well, to be fair, you know, you you, you want to get your your content uh, up and again, but the the content that you did put out um, uh, can still be of value. So let the audience know if they want to check it out, where they can go look.
0: You can just search uh, Jeffrey Ho on YouTube and think I should be the first one that pops up on the on the feed. I guess um you can also follow me on uh, on Instagram it's just hey I'm Jeffo um but my profile is I think private right now so um as long as you know you, you let me know that you're you're you you're you know me through you know this podcast or like through other channels I can definitely accept it and um yeah I guess parting advice is um focus more on the customer be drag- value driven rather than money driven you know in dropshipping and um, focus. Your efforts and your time on building a proper website and um, a good landing page, and work on driving good traffic and and um, be good at digital marketing. I guess that's that's um, kind of one of the more relevant advice I can give right now.
1: Well, it's, uh, a, a, as always for our audience, it's it's an honor and a pleasure to be able to collect this information and share it. So we certainly are happy to do our part. Yeah, my pleasure. Michael. I'm happy to have you here too. It was great to have this conversation and to just kind of like explore that side of it because there's a lot of pieces of the e-commerce puzzle. And um, this was a piece of it that I honestly, I didn't even think to cover. So it uh, it, it helps to know that there's still a lot left to, to be discovered, even at the point that I am at now, like 90 episodes in, like you know, there's... The, the further I go along, the more I realize how much bigger things are really getting. So with that said, thanks one more time. And to our audience, all the best. Take care and we'll check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, Head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.